Hello and a warm welcome. I'm Armin Trost, professor at the Furtwangen University in Germany. And this is my series on human resources strategies, a real master course for advanced HR students, professionals and executives. This series is available on YouTube and on all podcatchers like iTunes or Spotify. All slides that support this series are available on my website. For more information, please read the description to this YouTube or podcast. I'd also like to refer to my book, Human Resources Strategies, available at most online bookstores. So, again, thanks for listening Have fun and gain valuable insights into the fascinating world of HR strategies. So, welcome back to the second episode about sourcing strategies. And in the first part... I was talking about what does that mean, being active as part of sourcing. And I shared with you one dimension, which is essential, which relates to the responsibility for candidate search and candidate approach. And let me summarize this idea, because this is something that we're going to focus on in this particular episode. And let me do this by referring again, as I will always, to two strategic statements. So, the first strategic statement, statement goes like this. Searching for and approaching candidates is primarily the task of the HR department. The business lines take care of their own business. Okay? So, this should not be new to you. This is uh, an idea I already have shared. So, here is the opposite strategic statement. With us, every employee is a recruiter at the same time. When looking for and approaching candidates, we consistently rely on the networks and commitment of all our colleagues. You see the difference? So, in this second statement, the idea is really that if in your company there are 40,000 employees, then you have 40,000 recruiters. So, that's the idea. That leads us to at least two particular concepts. One is employee referral programs. I'm going to talk about this. And the other thing is about talent communities. Okay, now let's start with employee referral programs. And I first like to share with you a view on labor markets. So, please, see the labor market as a network. The world is a network. Okay? So, people are, in certain ways, connected. And we, as human beings, we very often underestimate the power of networks. Every person in the world is connected with every other person in the world via very few pairwise connections. I mean, We experienced this in these days while I produced this podcast this during the corona crisis. We see how fast a virus is 
transported via social networks. And the networks are so, so powerful that the development of infection is absolutely exponential. Okay? So see the world as a network. And when you, when you, when you look at the world like this, there might be employees. Your employees are connected within the organization. Not everybody knows everybody for sure, but, but there are a lot of, lot of connections. It's, it's quite tense. And there might be potential candidates. These are the non-employees. These are the people outside your organization. But your people, your employees, are somehow connected to the potential candidate outside the organization. Also, you as an HR person, you as the recruiter, you are connected to employees, and the employees are connected to candidates or potential candidates. So we can assume that your future employee, your next new hire, is already connected to a few people of your organization today. Meaning that you know, or at least somebody in your organization knows your next new hire. The probability is extremely high that somebody in your organization knows somebody that you will hire in the next, in the near future. Okay? But there's, there's more than this. Um, we know that, that, let me start differently. There was, a, there was a study done in the early 70s already, uh, some decades ago, by a professor named Kranowetter. And Kranowetter wrote a fantastic book, Getting a Job is the title of this book. So he accompanied more than 100, I don't know the exact number, it does not matter. I guess there were 170 engineers, uh, engineering graduates, and he shadowed these engineering graduates and was just doing research about how do they get jobs. And a fundamental insight from this study was that people find jobs via networks. It really matters who knows whom. And for you personally, it's not only a matter of whom, whom do you know, but also who knows you. And, and, this, and this social relations have a significant effect on recruitment. And here's the thing. Um, he had a look at, at the relevant ties, so the relevant connections between people, and he found out that the weak ties are of highest importance. So it, it, it's not so, so relevant who are your very close friends. I mean, how many very close friends can you have in your life? It's a handful Maybe two or three, some five. Five would be much. I mean, I'm really talking about real friend. What is a real friend? A real friend is somebody with whom you can share the good things in your life. And, and your friend will be happy about the good things in your life. And he really share these things from the heart. And a good friend is somebody you can share the bad things in your life. And the good friend will listen and will carry the burden with you. We'll share the bad things in your life with you. So how many close friends can you have? Just a few. Okay, there might be a kind of inner circle, including also some of your relatives, your, your family, your wife, your husband, your boyfriend, whomever, your girlfriend, sister, brother, mother, father, and so on. <laughs> yeah. So this is the inner circle. And 
Then there are people you you know better, people where you where you stay in touch. But in some, there might be, let's guess, 150 people, roughly, with whom you can keep relation. And and these relation matter. These relation matter. The people you somehow know, those people you can rely on. Yeah, some people you know something about these people. It's definitely not the hundreds and thousands of people you have as follower on your Insta uh, Instagram account or or LinkedIn. It's just these few, and and these matter, okay. And we know from from social research that people prefer long-lasting relationship to people to other people who are rather similar. Okay, uh, of course. Meeting a person who is completely different from you, that, that's attractive, that's exciting on the short run. But when we look at the long-lasting relationship, the long-lasting friends, uh, we can assume that, that with regards to a lot of characteristics, your friends are similar than you in terms of the intelligence, in terms of the attitude, in terms of the lifestyle, uh, in terms of the, the, the people they themselves Uh, to, to try to build relations relations with. So, when it comes to recruiting, we can we can assume that a player know a player. Good people know good people. Smart people know smart people. Okay, and and so if if you have one person in your organization who is smart, this person probably knows some other people who are smart as well. So. I did a study recently about employee referral programs. So let me introduce that real quick for those who do not know what an employee referral program is. The idea is pretty simple. We have an employee in your organization. Let's name him John. Okay. John knows somebody outside the organization, a potential candidate. And now John is referring to his friend, saying this friend might be a good colleague in the future. So he refers to him. And if this person, the friend, will be hired eventually, John will get a bonus. Okay. And uh, this is a very powerful tool, as I will show you. And I made a study about this in German-speaking countries, I must admit. It was not, a, was not a global study, but I was asking more than 100 companies who were doing employee referral programs. And, and among many questions, I asked two questions. One question was, how many referrals do you get in a year? That was the first question. The second question was, so based on those referrals, how many... Successful hirings do you have based on your employee referral program? So with these two numbers, I could calculate a ratio, and the ratio is a solid 7 to 3, meaning on average, seven referrals lead to three hiring. I mean, that's powerful. <laughs> that's really powerful. That's, that's, that's nearly every second referral will be hired eventually. So, I mean, compare this to, to, to other sourcing strategies. I mean, how many applications do you need to hire one person? I mean, that's a much bigger ratio, right? So, seven to three, that's really powerful. And referral programs are most suitable for difficult hiring, so difficult mass hiring or, or specialist hiring. Um, you primarily should use employee referral programs when it comes to 
positions which are need to be filled where, 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 where things turn out to be difficult, where there is a low availability um, of talent. If you do employee referral programs for for functions or position where it's simple to hire people anyway, that that might not be a so good idea. I mean, it's a waste of money. I mean, why should you spend referral bonus where you get a lot of applications anyway? Okay, and and, and in those cases, there there is a kind of risk, uh, the risk of 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 nepotism. Okay, which which is not good. So, these are some ideas, and um, these ideas really lead to employee referral programs. And and this and this and this and this strategy of using employee referral programs really um, relates very much to this idea that everybody in your organization or a majority of the employees in your organization are also to a certain extent responsible for hiring new colleagues. Okay? So, I don't do this very often in this uh, podcast, in this series, but sometimes I would like to leave the third level. Third level? What is that? <laughs> Look at the episode about how to build a powerful human resources strategy. Um, it's not only about the strategic alignment of an approach. It's about the... I will I will now talk about the operational design, which is the fourth level. Uh, and with regards to employee referral programs, I would like to share with you some, some operational... Uh, options, and I will run through this very quick, just to give you a little bit an example of how things might might turn out when 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 you when you go to an operational level. So, a first question is: Who is supposed to refer potential candidates? Who is that? Is that everybody? Also, HR people, um, or are there just selected people? Uh, for which jobs do you use the referral program? Uh, do you use that for for every job? In bracket, not a good idea. Or do you use this for Jobs that fall under the category of difficult mass hiring or specialist hiring, right? Will the referral be incentivized? Do people who refer successfully get a bonus? And, and if yes, is that a financial bonus? Or do you donate something to a, a non-governmental organization maybe? That's also a nice idea, yeah? Uh, if, if you pay a bonus, how, what, what is the bonus? Is there is there a unique bonus or is that is there a bonus which is uh, which is differentiated to a certain extent? Yeah. Um, how how do you inform the people, the employees, about open position? Is is that a push approach or a pull approach? Do you tell the people, look, here is the position. We assume that you know people outside because you are of same profession. And we know it from your LinkedIn profile that 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 you you have a strong network in that direction. So please, John, uh, by end of tomorrow, uh, we expect you to name three people. Um, do you do you push the information, or is that pull information so that people actively have to go to a referral platform or referral app or or whatever to look at what kind of positions are open? To what extent is your referral process really integrated into the existing recruiting solution uh, of your 
applicant tracking system. So this is primarily a, a technical issue. It's better integrated. So, so generally, uh, uh, how do how do employees refer? How, how do they do this? So if, if I'm John, if I'm an employee and I want to refer to a friend, how can I do this? Do I have to write a mail to the HR department or is there an app where I just can click on people? Uh, uh, how is that? Or do I just talk to, to my friend, say, hey, Tom, uh, here is a cool job. And then, well, how does that technically work? No? And then how will this referred candidate be approached? That's also uh, an operational question. So you have this name of this uh, potential candidate. Who will approach this person? Is that, is that the, the, the employee, him or herself? Or is that the HR department? Or is that maybe a third party? Or, or, or is that just a, is it a system? Yeah, who's, who's doing that part? And, and this is a, this is a interesting one. Um, is uh, referring candidates something which is mandatory? It's a push approach. Or I, in the meantime, I also learned that there is this term active referral. So it's you do not wait for the colleagues to refer somebody. You actively invite the people. Yeah? Like in a referral workshop I mentioned in the, in the, in the last episode, a referral workshop, a Holodex workshop, where you have a dedicated meeting with some selected colleagues, just thinking about whom do we know, whom do we want to approach. Yeah? Or is referring candidates something which is voluntary? You just tell the people, well, uh, you can refer somebody, but if not, it's, uh, it's okay. Oh, you don't must. Uh, just can. Would be nice. <laughs> And then you do some... Yeah campaign selling the program in the canteen with a poster or whatever so this is a operational option um, when is the referral successful is it after probation period when the new hire really survived the probation period or is it after a job offer was accepted or oh, oh, what is it I mean, there are very different ways how companies handle this. Yeah? Uh, I mean, who will be informed and how on the status of, of the different uh, referrals? Does the referrer know about the status of the referral? I mean, some companies have referral apps and they can constantly track uh, what is the status. And you see, ah, now uh, my friend was contacted. Mm, nice. Now let's see what happened next. Oh, my friend was invited to an interview. Mm, okay. Oh, my friend was accepted. You shring. Now get some money. Eh? So do, do you see the status? Or if the hiring manager is doing the interview with a, with a referred person, does the interviewer know, the hiring manager know, that this person uh, came in through the referral program? Should the hiring manager know that? Yeah. Should the hiring manager even know who, who did the referral? Who was the colleague who recommended this guy? Is that something you want or, or not? So, you see, there are a lot of design options. And, and as I think this is something that makes HR so fascinating, that... It, Independent from the strategy you, you, you follow, you are committed to, still there's very often a lot of work to think about how you're going to do things. So this is about referral programs. As I said, I would say referral programs are among the most powerful 
um, sourcing strategies. Really, I mean, I, I don't have the time here to 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 also mention all the advantages that you might have. Okay, let let me mention one. Okay, <laughs> one thing is we know from from different studies that retention is higher for those employees who came in through referral programs. They will stay longer. We also know, and the second thing, okay, then I have to stop myself. The second thing is that the performance of those people who are coming through referral programs, the performance is, is significantly higher than those people who came in through, through other channels. Okay, so there are a long list of very positive side effects. And why is that? Okay, let, let me share with you this idea. That, that's, why do employee referrals work so well? I mean, there is the idea, and that's a that's an idea I, I was already uh, uh, um, I already mentioned in an earlier episode. Is that it's very good when the people feel the consequences of their decisions and their actions. It's always good because when employees or teams experience the consequences of their decisions and actions they will be more careful and they will spend more cognitive power in what they do and they take over more responsibility and they are more motivated in what they do. So when people feel the consequences of their decisions and actions, they do better. So, And this is exactly the case with employee referral programs. I mean, just assume uh, you refer somebody who turns out to be, as we name in HR, a dead body and an employee who still alive uh, just no more alive really but still warm you know <laughs> a warm body it's cynical right okay low performer that's the official term the employee you refer to turns out to be a low performer that does not shed a positive light on you and you better don't want to experience that because if you refer to somebody who turns out to be a low turns out to be a low performer you're gonna lose trust And, that, and that's the last thing you want to experience in a social system, and every organization is a social system. So people are careful. Before you refer to somebody, you better think, or you better are sure that this person going to turn out to be a good colleague. Okay, And then that's a psychological uh, mechanism that, that drives this employee referral program machine right and and then uh, that's that's important to know okay so now let's leave it to that employee referral program you see i love it <laughs> it's it's good so now let's move to the next concept the next strategy and uh, before we do though so i would like to again differentiate between two strategic directions you might go and i name this vacancy focus versus talent focus. So let me start with a vacancy focus. So vacancy focus is something that you're going to find in almost every HR textbook. This is something very many HR students learn, and this is the classic way how companies hire people. So in the beginning, there is always the vacancy, right? An open position that needs to be filled. And 
once there is this vacancy, an approved vacancy, uh, you start sourcing uh, via job ads or via uh, referral or whatever, right? And then you get the applications. And once you have the applications, you... You, you select, okay, and after the selection, you hire a candidate. Okay, this is not a surprise to you. This is, this is uh, human resource management, um, bachelor level. Okay. Not even that. I mean, everybody knows how that works. So what is talent focus? Talent focus means that you're constantly sourcing. You constantly are looking for truck drivers. You constantly are looking for nurses, <laughs> truck driver and nurses. <laughs> you constantly are looking for software engineers. You're constantly are looking for teachers, independent from your current demand. And, and while you source, or even while you walk through the world in a very open way, yeah, with open eyes, always looking at the people, thinking, hmm, who might fit to our organization, who might suitable, you constantly evaluate, and sometimes you nominate some people into what we name a talent pool. A talent pool is a kind of, technically spoken, it's a database, yeah? a, list of, a list of names, a list of people. And now you try to retain these people. We name this talent retention. The idea of talent relationship management comes into play here. Yeah, you stay in touch with those people, right? And once there is a vacancy, you instantly hire. Okay, uh, we know this from, uh, from uh, student programs, for instance. Many large-scale companies are doing this. They constantly look at the interns. They, they, in every intern, they see a future colleague, a potential future colleague. Really, this is a mindset thing. Every intern might be a future colleague. So once the internship is done, the interns are evaluated. And maybe, and the best one are nominated into this talent pool. And then the companies try to stay in touch with these students. So once these students graduate, you try to hire them. Um, I mean, this is something that is not so public. And most people do not know that companies hiring to a large extent via this uh, process um, could be very powerful. So here are the two strategic statements again. Vacancy focus. The statement goes like this. We search for candidates once we face an acute need. As soon as a vacancy is filled, the process is completed. Okay? Hey, from, from many recruiters... That makes complete sense. We always start with a acute vacancy. Once the vacancy is filled, the problem is solved, over, done. Clean your desktop and start the next project. Reject all the other applicants, the ones who, who did not get a job offer. Reject them and they are out of sight. Over. <laughs> okay. Vacancy focus. Would you subscribe this? This is the candidate focus or talent focus. We are constantly sourcing candidates independently of acute needs. Whenever we have found good candidates, we maintain long-term contact with them. Okay, different story. Different story. Which one? Of, co of course, it might be a mixture. For simple hiring, you have the one. For difficult mass hiring, you have the other. 
And um, so, as I mentioned already in the episode about how to build a talent acquisition strategy, I mentioned that this approach is primarily suitable for difficult mass hiring. Okay, And here is why. What you really do is the following. Let's think of these kind of student programs. Okay, And by the way, talent communities, they primarily work with students. Uh, I don't want to go too deep why these things do not work so well with, uh, with uh, professionals or experienced people. This is something which is primarily works with students, uh, graduates. Um, so what many companies are doing is the following. They look at their interns, and once the interns, uh, the internship is over, as I mentioned, the interns will be evaluated and some of them will be nominated into different pools. It's very often not just one pool. It's, it's, a, it's a big pool with different segments or different categories. And there might be A, B, C. Okay, let's use this classic uh, differentiation. A are the super interns. Those people you definitely want to hire when they are graduated. The Bs are those who say, oh, would be good to hire them. Oh, would be good. And the C are, would be nice. Would be nice. And we do not have to talk about the Ds. The Ds are those you where you say, uh, when the internship is over, you used to tell them, okay, John, thanks for being here as an intern. Good luck in your life. And you think, okay, I hope I won't see you again. <laughs> oh, it's not so funny. Once you have this A, B, C, you do different things. For those with the A's, you might invite them for a practice with the CEO. I mean, for some people, they like it. <laughs> you, the most important thing is that you, uh, in the right point of time, you give them job offers and you exactly know when they graduated and you know their preferences. And then you say, hey, John, uh, based on what we know, you're close to graduation. Here is a job. <laughs> Here is, the, here is the thesis that you can write with us. Um, you might invite them to certain company events. You, you regularly have conversation with line representatives, with managers, with regular people. You invite them to weekend workshops. So and with the, with the C candidates in the pool, you might send them nice newsletters. <laughs> Could call it spam. Well, you don't do a lot, right? Little budget. But you do a little bit something, okay? So the more precious an intern is, a talent, the more you do. Uh, the, more, the more intense is the personal relation to that person, okay? So this is uh, the student program, talent communities, as a classic idea. And for, for some of you, this is not a new idea. Already we're talking about this in, uh, in my human resource management uh, lecture on YouTube uh, a couple of years ago. So when it comes to talent communities, there is still a strategic decision to be made. And this to me is the, the, the main, the most important point when it comes to talent communities, communities because there are at least two, two extreme options. And you better make a decision upon which options you want to go for. So one option is that you really have this, let's say, the classic 
approach. You have a talent pool. Okay, as I mentioned, you nominate potential candidates into the talent pool and then you retain them. Right? You have this dedicated program. There are one, two, three people in your HR department who are managing this talent pool and they organize events, they do funny things, uh, they entertain these people, right? sending gifts. So, But you keep these people, the candidates, outside the organization. It's a kind of yes, separated pool. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's like the lobby in the hotel yeah? telling the people, okay, You cannot go into the rooms now. Don't go into the rooms. Stay in the lobby. And in the lobby, you entertain them. Okay? While the other approach, which I find more and more and more, is not to say, okay, stay in the lobby. Say, come into the organization. Become part of us. So, meaning, if you, are, uh, if you were a very good intern, and you are nominated as part of our talent, talent community, you will be involved in regular projects. You work with regular employees in our organization on real tasks. Become a part of the organization. I mean, that, that feels like being a working student. Already be a little bit a part of us and, and build social relations to the, to, not to HR, but to, to regular employees and managers already become part of our family, to put it a little bit more romantic. But that could increase the social ties of a student to a company, and you can manage this. So the talent community is not a separated pool or a separated lobby somewhere. The talent community is already a part of the target function. And the target function could be everything. The target function could be research and development, could be sales, could be whatever. And they are part of it. And uh, this is extremely powerful uh, and, and uh, beneficial for the students and the organization. The, the main prerequisite for doing this is that the line is ready. So here is it again. This is active. This is active because you really involve the line. And if the managers, if the employees say, oh, another intern, every additional intern, every additional student I have to work with is an additional burden, is distracting. Uh, as long as the managers and the employee do not see a benefit in working with the students, they won't do it. Okay, so there, there, there must be this, this, this added value, this benefit. Okay, let's summarize this again in terms of strategic statements. So the classic approach of talent community follows the following statement. We, we HR, build pools of promising candidates which we keep warm in the long term to cover needs in the line. Okay? It's not surprising. This is what I, what I already explained. And this is the opposite. It goes towards networking, not about entertaining. It goes towards networking. We offer promising candidates exclusive opportunities to network independently, 
with a specialist department, with a business line. Okay? You offer them opportunity to already network with regular employees and managers. Okay. So, I would like to leave it to this. And, you know, of course, I see a lot of more sourcing strategies. I was not talking about campus recruiting, even though it might be something essential. I did not talk more intensively about talent scouting. I was focusing on those things that, that really are of major importance for most organizations. And really the, 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 the essential thing I want you to take home is, is be clear about where you use which approach. And, and again, I mean, with talent communities, talent communities only work with difficult mass hiring. You, it, it, there is simply no need to run a talent community for simple hiring. Why should you? Job ads do the work. Uh, you will not build a talent uh, community just for specialist hiring. I mean, they are so unique. Why, why should you build something like this? So talent communities only work for difficult mass hiring when it comes to filling bottleneck functions. And, and you know, this is something an HR executive must know and understand. So you take home that for different scenarios, you better use different strategies, okay? And knowing that what I have shared with you was not complete, not enough, once you have understood this fundamental idea, then you really took home something very important. So thanks for listening and uh, see you next time.